Well, good morning. <laughs> I'm going to share scripture with you this morning. And I'm basically going to share with you what the Lord has been speaking to me. I'm going to read out of the book of John 16, verses, uh, verses 13 through 15 from the Amplified Version. The reason I'm sharing with you this scripture is because um, just the other day, I'm going to share a quick testimony with you. Uh, just the other day, I was talking to the Lord and asking him some questions, and I felt like I needed to take a walk. Um, so I took a short walk, and in the middle of that walk, God just gave me the answer to what I was looking for. And I started crying because I'd been praying about this for quite a long time. Um, I've been asking God, God, I really need a mentor. I need somebody who I can talk to from a spiritual perspective and from a professional perspective. I'd like a mentor. And I never felt like I was getting an answer to that. So the day I asked him this, this past week, it, it only took like about five minutes and the answer popped in my head. He said, you have the Holy Spirit. He's your spiritual mentor and he's your professional mentor. And I was like, how did I not ever think about that? I read about the Holy Spirit, we are taught about the Holy Spirit, but I never paid that much attention to it. And that settled it, and I was like, all right, Lord, I hear what you're saying. So I'm going to share with you a scripture that has been a blessing to me. John 16, from verse uh, 13. I'm going to read from the Amplified. But when he, the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole truth, the full truth, for he will not speak on his own message or his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor you. He will, he will honor and glorify Jesus because he will talk, he will take and... Um, he will take off, receive, draw upon what is mine, and will reveal and declare and disclose, transmit it to you. Everything that the Father is my, has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that the Spirit will take the things that are mine and will reveal, will declare, will disclose, and transmit it to you. That's all I had for today. I hope it blesses you as well. Thank you, Lord. Even those things that seem to have faded away, gone away, been destroyed, things that seem to have been lost, Father, I thank you that they are all new in you. Father, that seems impossible. That seems what looking forward looks impossible is possible in you. There is nothing too difficult for you. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. You are the Great I Am. You are our provider. You are the God who is more than enough. You are our healer. You are our provider. You are our banner. You are our standard. You are our protector. All those things, Lord, you have declared that you are. And now we declare that you are. And that nothing, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Because you are great. You are the best. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this day that we can be in your presence, that we can be here together, and your word says that where two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst. And I thank you, Lord, that today as we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth, not only with song, but also with the word, with declaration, with giving, and all the things we'll be doing today. 
as we worship you in spirit and truth, that you will be glorified and that all, all men, all women, all children will be, will be drawn unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give each other a virtual hug or a, a wave or a... Or a real hug, or a real way. I don't care. Whatever works for you. Happy party. See you in a bit. All right. Well, I've been kind of debating this all morning. And, uh, but I, uh, I'm going to, uh, introduce the, uh, the latest, uh, newest residents of Wisconsin. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. <laughs> Pastor John and Julie Moe and their sons, Jared and Jordan. Could you guys stand real quick? Yay. Yay. I don't know how they let them into the state, but, you know, <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did. Pastor John, would you just come real quick and greet people? I know you're not, I know, I didn't warn you, but you're, he's been a pastor for 20 years. I'm going to hand him the microphone and watch what happens. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I just want to just wanna welcome you. I'm so glad you're here, so glad that you're a part of us here, and yep. what God's doing. Well, we want to greet you and say hello, and how many know we serve a great God? Oh, we serve a great God. Amen. You know, you know, God is only as big as how, how you talk about him. If you don't talk about how big God is, he won't be a big God in your life. I'll go to this side of the room. <laughs> I said, you got to talk about how big God is. Amen. He's a big God and he can do big things in your life. Amen. You just have to just talk big. Not talk big about what you're going to do, but talk big about what God will do. And he'll show up really big in your life. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here. We want to thank Pastor <laughs> Pastor John and Debbie. Uh, they greeted us and helped us um, as we were moving here. And it's just, it's just wonderful. And worship was good today. And then that last song we were um, singing, and as Pastor John was praying, you know, God is doing new things. And I was thinking as we were standing back there worshiping God, you know, how God will do a new thing in your life. And you could almost, sometimes we're looking for the spectacular and we can miss really what God is doing. It's just sometimes something simple can be something new that God wants to do in your life. And I believe that there are new things that God is obviously doing in our lives because we just made a move to Wisconsin from Iowa. But I believe that God wants to do new things in many people's lives here in the room today. And I would just challenge you to talk to God about what is it that what new thing does he wants to do in your life? Because I can just sense right now there's new relationships that God wants to build in certain people's lives. You've had enough of the old relationships. Now you need new relationships in your life. And there's people, there's some young people, as you go back to school this fall, you're not going to run with the same crowd you ran with last year. There's new relationships that God has for you. And then there's people here in the room, God has new jobs for you. There's a new assignment there are there are people here in the room there are new assignments waiting for you and god wants to see if you will embrace the new assignment you know someone says well i haven't got a new assignment god hasn't done anything new uh, let me give you a key here if you complain about the current assignment you have god won't give you a new assignment <laughs> So if you change that and say, Father, I thank you that this is a great assignment that I have. It's challenging, but I'm thankful that I'm growing and you're teaching me some things. And then God will give you a new assignment. And as sure as I'm standing here, someone, God has a new vehicle for you. 
someone needs a different vehicle, a, a different automobile, van, truck, whatever it is, motorcycle, but God has that for you. Amen? And then for even for some that are in ministry, there's a new anointing. And the anointing is always on the assignment. And so as God gives you a new assignment, there's a new anointing that goes with that assignment. And someone says, well, this seems like it's too hard or too big for me to do. Just embrace the assignment and God's anointing and grace will be there. And it'll be just a fantastic assignment for you. So I really want to encourage you. God's doing new things. Everyone say new things. That's all I wanted to say. We greet you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So good to have them here. We've been, uh, I've known Pastor John since 2004. Uh, we met in Zurich, Switzerland, of all crazy places to meet somebody. First time, Zurich, Switzerland. And, and uh, we traveled around for a couple days uh, in, in Zurich and we had a mission tour, a prayer meeting there for Europe, Vision Europe, and, and then uh, developed friendship ever since. So, so glad you're continuing to follow God's plan for your life. And you never know, you never know who. Like you say, new relationships. You never know who God has that uh, you need to meet. And I'm so glad I met Pastor John and Julie and Jordan and Jared. And just so you know, Jared's a Packer fan. And, and Jordan's not. So there you go. All right. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. If you, for those of you who are reading through the Bible in two years with us, with the church, uh, we're at, I think we read Ezekiel 37 today, and I had no plan whatsoever, none whatsoever, to, to preach on Ezekiel 37 before about an hour ago. And then all of a sudden, the Lord started. I actually had three sermons this week, three sermons that I had prepared, and I, I've been worried. I didn't know which one I was going to preach, and I'm not going to preach all, any of them, or I'm going to preach all of them. I'm not sure, somewhere in between. But when I woke up, or not when I woke up, when I was uh, reading this morning, I read this, I was like, oh my goodness, I don't want to, I actually didn't want to preach on Ezekiel 37. I, it's like, this is a cliche. I mean, everybody, you know this story. I mean, you could tell, you could guys could preach this to, to me. But I, the Lord showed me some things that's already been talked about this morning in, in the worship and already been talked about here. And uh, I think it's very, very important. Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning with verse 1. And uh, oh, just to give you a little background first, Ezekiel obviously was a prophet. Uh, he was a prophet at the end of or in the middle of uh, the exile. When the, uh, when the Jews were taken to Babylonia, they, uh, the, they were gone. And uh, Ezekiel, God kept coming, on, coming to um, Ezekiel and having him prophesy, having him speak some things over different things. Some were people, some were governments, some were land, some were mountains. I mean, he was having him speak over different things. And uh, basically, he was, he was saying that, you know, speaking over the lands that the ones who had, had oppressed Israel were going to be destroyed, going to be wiped out, going to be taken away, going to be removed. Going to, he was saying those things over some nations. But then he was also speaking over the land to receive back the Jews when they came back from the exile. So there, there was, he was speaking about a whole bunch of things. And as you read through it, you kind of go, my goodness, he just, he was saying a lot of stuff. I actually, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I, I've been reading the Bible for 50 some years and, and, uh, you know, I'll read it. And even now when I'm reading, I'm going, man, he just talked a lot. You know, he just said a lot of things. But those things, it's important to speak. It's important to speak. That's that, that's clue number one I want to give you this morning. It's important to speak. Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning with verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Now, 
Ever have one of those dreams where you just, you know, you find yourself in a scary, kind of a gross, kind of weird, weird situation, and it's a nightmare to us, you know? But here God takes Ezekiel, takes him to a place, whether it was a literal place, whether it was a, a, a spiritual place, whether it was what, who we don't know, but he saw it and he actually walked around in it. And he's walking around and this valley is full of dry bones. You've heard, we've heard this. I mean, you've heard this sermon so many times. Uh, you know, go to sleep if you're, you know, if you're not, you know, if you don't, if you're not getting something out of this, just take a nap. It's good. All right. But he's walking around. God has him walk around. Why? Because he needed him to see there was more than just what he could, what he was there. It, this valley was full of dry bones. Full of dry bones. And he's walking around. And then God asks Ezekiel a question. He says, can these dry bones live? I love Ezekiel's answer. Lord, you know. It's like, it's like a trick question. God asks you something. You know, don't be too, you know, too quick to answer. I was listening to, uh, you know, I, I went down and helped uh, the, these guys load up in Des Moines this last week. And as I was driving, I just turned on a teaching uh, that had been, it was just a recent teaching about, uh, it was Andrew Womack was teaching at his latest conference. And, and he was talking about how he told his disciples, he said, he said uh, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, he, he made that statement. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And one of the disciples said, well, show us the Father. You know, we, we can look at that and go, duh. He just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, but people aren't very quick. You know, because, but I love Ezekiel because Ezekiel is quick. Why was, why could he answer, well, Lord, you know, you know, one is he probably had, you know, he's been in the spirit enough to realize, you know, God is pretty cool. God's pretty amazing. And God can do anything. And I don't know how these dry bones can live, but if you think they can live, then they can live, right? He was quick enough. He was quick enough to realize that God could do anything. Literally anything. And that's point number two. Point number one is it's good to speak. It's good to speak. Number two, be quick enough to understand that God can do anything. Is there anything God can't do? I love you philosophers. There's always philosophers in the, he can't lie. Yes, he cannot lie. That's true. He cannot lie. Can, can God create an object so large that he cannot pick it up himself? Well, apparently not, because the universe he holds in the palm of his hand. So we'll get past that argument, that philosophical argument. But God, it, whatever God says is possible, it's possible. No matter how crazy it sounds to you. Be quick enough. That's point number two. Be quick enough to recognize, you know what? God, if you say this is going to work, I'm in. I'm in. So, and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and it will cause uh, flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So God tells Ezekiel, I want you to catch this. This is point number three. What's point number one? Good, good, nice job. Point number two. Be quick enough to know that God can do anything. Point number three is God speaks to Ezekiel, but he expects Ezekiel to speak. We're going to see that in just a second. He says to Ezekiel, say to these dry bones. You notice that God didn't just say, Life to you, dry bones, and, and, and breath, and I'm going to breathe on you, and, and, uh, and yeah, I'm going to, uh, sinew's going to come on you, and you're going to live, and you're going to become. He didn't just do it in front of Ezekiel. He spoke to Ezekiel to tell Ezekiel to do it. Point number three. 
I'll let that sink in just for a second. Why didn't God just do it? Why didn't God just, hey, you want to see a cool miracle, Ezekiel? Watch this. Live, dry bones. Why didn't God just do it? Could God just do it? Of course He did. But why did He have to tell Ezekiel for Ezekiel to say it for it to happen? Because that's the way God works. He works through people. He works through you. He works through your, back to point number one, you speaking. He, talk, he works through you speaking. I just want to, I'll throw out my last point here. That way you'll know, you can see it coming. You know, you know, but you're not wondering where I'm headed with this. God needs you to start speaking over things in your life. God needs you to speak over things in your life. And I'll say it a third time so that we can just know that I, that's what, exactly what I mean. God needs you to speak His Word. You notice God put His Word in Ezekiel's mouth. And Ezekiel spoke His Word, God's Word. He didn't speak His own Word. He didn't speak His own opinion. He didn't speak what He thought maybe, you know, should happen. He said... You know, I mean, I, you know, if, if Ezekiel had just by chance walked into this valley and he, and, he, and he found a bunch of dry bones, do you think he would go, huh, I bet I could just say to these things, live and they'll live? Well, no, he didn't even, wasn't, it wouldn't even dawn on him. But as soon as God said, Ezekiel, I need you to speak into these dry bones and say this, say his word. All right? Tell me what verse I left on, off on. So I prophesied, so I prophesied, so Ezekiel prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. How was man created? How was Adam created? Does anybody know how man was created? Pardon? It was a spoken word. Well, what did he do first? God did something first. What did he do? He took him out of the dust of the earth. He made, you know, he put, you know, I don't know how he got it to stick together, but he made something, uh, made Adam an Adam-looking uh, man, man cake. He put a man, uh, made kind of a, of a, uh, no, not a man cake. Not a man cake. Oh. That's from many For those of you who've been around here for a long time, that's from a... Okay, i got to tell you the story real quick. This has nothing to do with the sermon, but I, I just you got to know that this is a fun story. So we were skiing up in uh, northern Minnesota a number of years ago with a bunch of guys, and uh, uh, Jason had... Uh, Jason had to come in late because he worked nights, and he had driven up late, and he was... He had driven up there, and we'd already been skiing for one day, and then he got there that night, but he's wiped because he had worked all night, he had driven all day, and uh, we were all sitting around talking, laughing, so on and so forth, and Ron Bruin uh, made a, we were talking about breakfast, and Ron Bruin, in an English accent, and uh, well, Jason had fallen asleep, he'd fallen asleep in the chair, and Ron Bruin, Ron Bruin goes, I fancy myself a pancake, you know, and, and it, it, <laughs> I fancy him. I know, really, just very off the cuff. I fancy myself a pancake. And Jason goes, man cake. <laughs> and then somebody bet me a steak dinner. I couldn't work man cake into a sermon. <laughs> and I did. And I did. Because God formed an Adam-shaped man cake. All right. But then what did God do? God breathed. He breathed into that inanimate object. God can do anything. God can do absolutely anything. He breathed His breath. It's called the Ruah. Ruah of God. It's that. You know, that's actually the name of God. 
That's actually, we say Yahweh, but the way you actually say that name, because there's no, there's no consonants in it or anything, there's no vowels. Which one? It's no vowels. Sorry. Vowels. And, but the way that God pronounced his name to, to uh, Moses was, my name is <sighs> breath. The breath of God. That brought life. But now, look what he's doing. He's telling Ezekiel, a man, a guy. He's telling just another guy, just a human being, breathe. You now breathe into these dry bones. These, well, now they're formed, right? You know, they were dry bones, then they became together, and then they had some meat on them, then skin, but they're still standing there and they're not alive. There's a whole valley. Well, zombies, man. You want to talk about zombies? There's a whole valley. Of undead, dead, dead, undead, whatever. But he, but, but God says to him, He says, "Now you breathe." Why would God have to? Do, why? Why didn't God just do it? Because He's done everything He's going to do. That was one of the sermons I was going to preach this week, which I guess I just I'm going to get to preach it a little bit. God's already done everything He's going to do. Now it's up to who. Thank you. Now let's just try that one more time. Instead of saying us, say me. Who, who, now, now who is it up to? Me. Exactly. It's up to you. I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Verse 10, So I prophesied. As He commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. God produced an exceedingly great army to do His will through a man who was obedient to do it. Now, was this metaphorical? Was this, you know, prophetic? It was a prophetic imagery. Was it, did it actually happen? We, you know, I don't know. I mean, more than likely it was in the Spirit, but God was showing him something. Part of what He was showing him, if we do this, you know, and we have to read this in context, is he's bringing back the nation of Israel to Israel. It had been dispersed all over the place, not only to Babylonia. It had been dispersed. They had been, they had been struck and they just, they were scattered all over into whole, all kinds of different nations. I mean, it was one of those times, you know, when, when you look at Israel, the history of Israel, it has been struck and smashed and destroyed and then brought back so many times. That which is impossible. Do you know there's never been a nation that didn't exist for how long did how long was Israel not a nation before 19, or before uh, 1946? How many years? Anybody know off the top of their head? Thousands, almost 1,900 years before you know when the Romans were there. Because even at the time of Jesus, Israel was under Roman rule. It never did regain until 1946. Wow, this never happened except Israel. You know, there, there are no other nations that used to be a nation. There, you, know, you don't find the Philistines trying to kick her back in. The Amorites aren't going, hey, let's get, let's get us together again. No, but when God says, I'm going to call them from the nations, I'm going to do this, it's impossible for, for man to do what God has done. He gives us example after example after example that He can do anything. Jesus was preaching. And some men walked up and said, and said uh, you know, send... Uh, or, I can't remember what... Oh, Lazarus. He was talking about the, the dead man, Lazarus, and the, and the rich man in hell. He was telling that, that uh, uh, parable... And the rich man says to him, he says, go tell, send somebody to tell my brothers about this place, that I, they don't come here. He didn't want them to come there. And Jesus said to him, he says, he goes, even if a dead person comes back, they won't believe it. 
Even if, even if someone from the dead, because someone from the dead did come back. Two that we know of, well, probably four when you look at all Jairus' daughter and the, the son who was being carried, he came back to life. But, but, uh, uh, Lazarus, I already said Lazarus. Well, yeah, Lazarus, when he came back, he had been dead for four days. Did they listen to him? No. They wanted to kill him. And then they killed Jesus. He comes back from the dead. And they won't listen to him. But God can even bring the dead back to life in the natural. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If he says to you, like he said to Ezekiel, prophesy over this dead thing, dead bones, dry bones. Not only are they dead, not, not only are they mostly dead. <laughs> They're dead, dead. They're so dead that they're dry. They're laying there decaying. Bones take a while to decay. But they're lying in, they're in the desert, they're dying. He, he didn't go to a bunch of dead bodies and say, speak life. That would have been you know, amazing. It still would have been a miracle. But God said, speak over those dry bones and even the muscle and the sinew will come back on. That's impossible. Turn with me real quick. One more verse. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking about the end. He's talking about what's going to happen. He's prophesying. They don't understand it. They still don't get it. I'm only going to read one verse, but that's the context of what's happening here is Jesus is talking about going to the end. They're trying to talk Him out of it. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus said, there are times when things have to die. Yeah. That's exactly right. There are times when things have to die. And you don't want it to die because you care about it and you love it. Now, what do I mean? Well, it could be, it could be a, a relationship. It could be a career. It could be a desire or a vision that God has put in your heart. And it's, it's really hard to watch something die. Years ago, I was working through something and it just it fell apart. God, God, I had been praying for something, I've been believing for it, I've been working towards it. And in the middle of it, it just started falling apart. And it seemed the, the harder I tried to make it happen, the worse it got. And it finally just died. It just I finally had to let it die. I couldn't I mean, you can keep pumping the chest, baby, but you know, that doesn't mean it's alive. You can keep breathing into it, but it doesn't, you know, naturally breathe into it, but it, it doesn't mean that it's alive. There's a point where it dies. And I was, and I let it die. I let that vision die. I let that thing in my heart die. This was probably 17, 18, maybe 20 years ago. I just went, whatever. I can't make this happen. And God showed me that verse. Something, sometimes things have to die. And after it dies, it actually rots in the ground. That's, seed, that's what a seed does. A seed, when you plant it, it gets all gushy and then it rots. So it looks like it's dead, dead. But then, something amazing happens. Out of that death, out of that destruction, comes life. And not only the life of that one kernel or that one piece of grain out of it comes multiplied. When Jesus was saying, I've got to go and, and I've got to, I'm, I'm going to die and they're going to, they're going to uh, crucify me. And they, you know, he said all these things. They said, no, no, not, no, not you. But praise God, he did. Because when he died, when he was in the ground for three days, when his, when, when he gave up his spirit and his body died and God, and they, and they put him in the, in the tomb and for three days, He's in there. And it's just flesh. I mean, his, his flesh was flesh. He was all God, but he, that body was a, bo a human body, just like yours. After three days, he stinketh. 
Just like Lazarus. But when God said, come alive, there was nothing in this world that could hold him back. And praise God he died. Praise God he gave up his life. Praise God he let that, you know, everybody's vision was for him to become king of Israel and we were going to move on and have this Messiah. And, you know, he, he, that's, they understood, they thought he's the guy. And we, and the 12 disciples thought, hey, we're going to be sitting in the court. Woo, life is good. And all of a sudden he dies. All their visions, all their hopes, all the way they thought, they thought it was going to work out, died. But praise God, when he came to life, not only was it his life that can be resurrected or was resurrected, now everyone's lives can be resurrected. That one death brought fruit unimaginable. Praise God, he let go of his life and gave it to God. Now, all of this in context. Here's what the Lord was just it was impress on, impressing on me this morning. There are things in your life. And there's, I, I mean, I don't know who it is. I don't know how many it is. I, but I actually believe it's everyone. There are things in your life that you thought were done, were gone, were over. You thought, oh, well, I don't know what, what God meant by that. I don't know what that verse meant that you know, triggered something in me that gave me a vision or a, a desire or led me in a path or a job that I wanted and, it did, and I didn't get it and now it's dead to me. I, I don't know who that is. My guess is it's everybody because you're all human and we're all moving and we're following God and, he, and things happen where many times it looks like it's dead. And when you find yourself in that place, many times people want to say, oh, pray for me. Pray for me in this situation. Pray for me. When God is saying, no, you speak. Oh, did you feel that little, there's a road bump. I just felt a road bump in the spirit. I just said that and you went, huh? What do you mean I speak? Yes, you speak to those dry bones. You speak to that dead vision. You speak. He's given you authority. God has done everything He's going to do. He did everything at the cross. It's all paid for. Every bit of it is paid for. Well, I know He paid for all my sins, but no, He paid for all your sins, but He also paid so that you can be walking in His in communion with Him and that you can have a relationship with Him and that you can speak the very words of God. <laughs> I can tell we're, we're hitting a road here. We're hitting a ooh, like a ooh. Okay, so let's try this again. You have the authority to speak over the things in your life. You have the authority. You have, you know, you, you start heading in a direction and stuff starts to happen. Whatever it may be. You know, you, you wake up and your nose is runny. I must have something. I need to call somebody and ask them to pray for me. You can do that. You actually can. You know, that's, I'm not saying don't ever ask somebody to pray for you. But your first answer, answer should be, speak to it. You speak to it. Oh, no, Satan. No, 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 no. I take authority because I've been given the authority through the, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ because He's put all the power of life and death in my tongue. I speak life. I speak life over my mortal body. I speak life over my nasal passages. I speak life over my, my, my uh, cardiovascular, my, what is the cardiovascular is the blood? What's the pulmonary, the pulmonary system, my, my lungs. I speak life. No, no weapon formed against me. You speak it. You speak it. You, you say it. Yeah, you can go have somebody else pray. But that, usually that's because I just don't have the faith. When my, when my wife gave 
birth early to Ethan and he's in the NICU with a uh, chance of making it and she's laying on the bed next to me all up on the bed and I'm laying on the floor. I had nothing. I couldn't pray. I couldn't, I couldn't, I just, oh, I didn't even want to call anybody to pray. I'm just, I mean, if you've ever been in a situation where your loved one is going through that, you just, at times, you just, you can't even function. But this came out of me. She will live and she will not die. He spoke to it. I spoke to it. I said, Father, I'd love to be faith man right now. I'd love to just go, I got this, no problem, everything's good. But I said, God, I trust you. I love you. You love me. I know you do. And I just speak life over this woman right now in Jesus' name. She will live and not die. Perfect peace. I had a complete peace come over me. She's still on the bed. He's still in the NICU. Her kidneys weren't working. They hadn't worked for three days. Well, actually longer than that. A week and a half. We didn't know it for the first week and a half. We just knew it for the middle part. Perfect peace. I got up, went and took a shower, asked where I could take a shower. They showed me. I came back and her kidneys were working just like that. Well, how did that work for you? Tell me how that worked. I just spoke it. And I'm telling you, I wasn't full of faith and I wasn't, I got this. No problem. (laughs) No, I was like, God, I got nothing left here. But I know you. And I speak life over her. You can speak life. You can speak the Ruach of God. The life-giving breath over whatever. Whatever God leads you to do it. It could be a job. It could be a financial situation. It could be a health. It could be a relationship. It could be whatever. But if God, you're the one who has the authority. You, instead of trying to figure out who has authority in this area... Because you know you can't just pray for anybody. Did you know that? Hate to hate to burst your bubble. But if you if you call me up and you say, "Hey, can you pray for my second cousin's third twice removed friend from down the street, their neighbor's coworker?" I'm going to just go, "No. I don't know those people. I don't have authority in their life. I don't I, I, can, I can say some words, but I'm not gonna, it's not going to have the effect as if someone who has that authority, and, and it may be you. You call me up and say, I've got these person, and, and God said, you need to speak over their life. You, need, you pray. Well, then you pray. You speak it. We need to take a step up, folks. We're walking in times that are, we can't, we have to play by the rules. We have to, we have to walk this out by the rules that God set forth. And He has given you authority. He's given you. Say, He's given me. Authority. authority. To speak over the things in my life. To speak over the things in my family's life. To speak over those that He's given me authority in. To speak life into those situations. Now it's written. Now, stop. Don't do more. Okay, stop. Okay. Now you need to speak what the Word of God is saying. You can't just speak whatever you want. You can't speak your will. That's why you need to be in the Word to know what you can speak. I mean, I'll just give you the heads up. Health? You can say, you can, I, I will live and not die. My wife will live and not die. My, you know, this, I, will, I speak healing to her body. I speak healing to my body. I speak, I, he's given me authority in this church. I can pray for this church. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against this church will prosper. He's given me that authority. Okay, so I'll use that. I, I use that authority. But you have authority of things in your life. You're going to bump up against things. You're, some of most of you have already actually thinking, oh, I got the situation right now. Exactly. Job, open up. I want a good job. I want a high-paying job. I want a great job. I want a great boss. And if my boss isn't a great boss, well, then I want a boss that is going to get saved. Give me opportunities. Instead of, instead of going, well, Lord, I hope you save, you know, any, norm I'm, any name I'm going to throw out here is going to be somebody I know. Give me a name I'm not, you know, Fred. Anybody have any Freds in here? No Fred. Lord, I pray for Fred. I pray that you'll, you know, send somebody to Fred to preach the gospel to him. No. Father, send me to Fred. 
Give me the words to speak to Fred. I speak life over Fred. I speak life. The vision that I, that I put on the shelf, the, the vision I just set off to the side 18, 20 years ago is exactly what we're walking out right now in the valley. And why is it living? Why is it active? Why is it moving? Because I spoke over it. And others speak over it now. The more you have speaking over it, the more that catch the vision, catch what's going on. It's not because you know I needed them, we needed them. It's just that, that God moves on people. And we begin to, Father, I pray for the St. Croix River Valley right now. I pray for every soul, every human being, and from Solon Springs to Prescott and 100 miles in both directions. I speak life over this valley. I speak prosperity over this valley. I speak, I speak uh, success and, 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 and freedom over this valley. I don't care what happens. In, I mean, I do care what happens in the rest of the world, but I don't care what happens. But here in this valley, Lord, I speak blessing. He's given me that authority. He's given you because you live here. You can speak over the valley. Father, I speak, I speak revival. I speak salvation. I speak healing. I speak life in this valley. Father, I thank you that whoever travels through here gets saved. I pray that everybody that travels through here gets healed. I pray this. Did you know? We've been praying that for a long, long time. Praying just those kinds of words. I'm just repeating what I've prayed before. I read an article this last week that said Washington County is defying the 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 reset the things that are going on financially that are happening in other parts of of the country, the state. That Washington County is actually is growing financially. It's being blessed. Why? Because I prayed. No, because God has lots of people who are praying. But it's because His people are speaking. And you can speak that. You can speak it over the company you work for. You want to make more money? You're not the boss? Well, then speak over the company. Father, bless this company. Bless my boss. Father, I pray that his brain works better than it has. No, I'm saying I'm being a little facetious now. I know that's what my staff prays all the time. But no. Bless them, Lord. Give them wise ideas. Protect them. Don't let, you know, I, I speak against uh, uh, loss and, and I speak against theft. And I speak, Father, I speak life over this in Jesus' name. He's given you the authority to speak. Could you come and share your testimony real quick? Thank you, Pastor John. <clears throat> wow, that was good stuff, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, we are so blessed. I hope you all feel blessed because Shannon and I sure do. We feel blessed for so many reasons. You know, this great country we live in, uh, all of you, you know, the incredible church we have and the incredible pastors we have, pastors that speak truth and life and it doesn't get any better than what you just talked about, Pastor John. I mean, talk about anointing. It's pretty incredible. Why well, had something unique happened to me last week? Um, it may not be unique to some of you because, uh, you know, we've got a lot of really spiritually grounded people in this church, so it might have not been unique to me. But it was unique to me because, mainly because of the timing and because of what Pastor John talked about. Uh, speaking to what you want. And on Wednesday, I had an appointment with uh, somebody over in Woodbury at the Woodbury offices. And so I was uh, dressed up a little bit. I had a suit on. And, and uh, I'm telling you this because it's part of the story. That's, otherwise, that's the only significance. But uh, anyway, I had my appointment. And I'm getting in my car to go home, and I jump in the car, and I'm heading down the street in Woodbury, and I thought, I need something from the, from the store. So I thought, I better, better stop at the store and get it. It was the Cub Foods over in Woodbury, if you're familiar with that area. And so I stopped and got the item I needed. And then I went back out to my car, I had my phone in the vest pocket of my suit. I don't know if any of you have ever done that, you guys. But um, then I did something really smart. I pulled the phone out of my vest pocket and put it on top of my car. 
not so smart. <clears throat> I hung my jacket on the back of the seat on the, in the car. And uh, lo and behold, I get in and drive off, and my phone's still on top of the car. Well, on the way home, I'm going, going to call Shannon, tell her, you know, I'm running a little late and whatever, and I reach, reach on the seat, and I look around, and no phone. And I don't know about you guys, but it's, when you lose your phone, it's kind of like losing your right arm if you're right-handed, and left arm if you're left-handed. And so... You know, I won't say I panicked, but almost, you know. So I go back to the Cub Foods parking lot because I'm thinking that's probably what she did. I've done quite a few not-so-smart things in my life, but that was, that was one that was more immediate. So um, I go back and I look all over the parking lot. Don't see any phone. Don't see any phone. So... I go home and I tell Shannon, and she's very understanding, great lady, and she, uh, she, she really was. I mean, she said, well, hey, you know, we'll just go look for it. We'll look for it tonight. You know, the parking lot will be empty. We'll go back and look. So we went back that night. But in the meantime, before we went back that night, um, I went over to T-Mobile, who's the carrier for the phone, and I had them disconnect the phone because I didn't want somebody getting it and you know, who knows where they go. I didn't have any banking stuff or anything like that on, but I did have about 200, uh, probably 250 contacts in my phone. Um, I had a lot of apps from the business that we work with. I had, uh, I had all the pictures from when we were over in Israel, uh, which was really important to me because they were still on there and I hadn't backed them up yet. So a lot of really important stuff to me. And so... <clears throat> Uh, we go back that night and we scour the parking lot and nothing, nothing anywhere. We're looking all over. So we just go back home and I, I still had my old phone from, I just bought the new phone before we went to Israel. So I still had the old phone, so I take it over to T-Mobile and they fire it up and I'm good to go so I can make a call. So I had part of my right arm back. And uh, then... I, we just go to bed, and Friday morning, I get up. Now, this is a couple days after I lost it. I get up, and I, I'm just, I'm in the bathroom. Shannon's out in the kitchen, and, and uh, I go, and I look in the mirror. I'm thinking, you know, in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, it says, the kingdom of God is within you, right? I think that's right, verse. And so I'm just looking at this dude in the mirror and uh, not real happy with him. But uh, I'm thinking, well, the kingdom of God's in there somewhere. So I said, uh, I just spoke out loud. And that's why your sermon is so key to, to what, what I did was, I said, Father God, in the name of Jesus, would you help me find my phone today? And then I just went on with the shaving and the other stuff, you know, and it wasn't more than maybe three, four, possibly five minutes max. Our phone rings, we still have a landline, we're kind of antiques, so we still have a landline. Uh, and the home phone rings, and some guy, Shannon answered, and some guy on the other end says, hey, I, I think I found your phone. Now the phone is shut off. Um, but uh, but he could still get in. I don't lock my phone, so he could still get in, and he found a, one of the contacts that says home. And uh, that's in case I ever get amnesia and I need to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so anyway, I just I shook, shook my head. Shannon came in, and she said, here, there's a guy on the phone. He thinks he's got your phone. I went and met the guy, and he gave, gave me my phone back, wouldn't take any. I was going to give him 100 bucks, but he wouldn't take it. Um, but anyway, uh, this guy gives me my phone back, and I said, where did you find my phone? He said, oh, it's over here in this uh, roundabout. And the roundabout's about a mile away from the store. That thing sat on the car for about a mile, 
And then when I went around the roundabout, it, took, it flew off. And so, but the point I wanted to make is, Pastor John is so spot on with speak what you want and speak it out loud. I think it says somewhere in the, in, in the word, ask and you shall receive. And so I was asking and I received. But what really was, the reason I say it was unique to me is because of the timing. It was just incredible that within three, four, five minutes, boom. But that's my story. Awesome, isn't it? You know, God even cares about our cell phones, right? Um, I'd like to start off with a couple of announcements uh, regarding Karis University. Um, for those who don't know, we have a campus here at Lake Elmo, and we offer a hybrid program, a two-year program, uh, where you can get a degree in Bible study, Bible uh, Bible studies. Um, we're going to start up again this fall, but there's an informational meeting a week from Thursday on the 30th, starting at 6.45, going until about 9 o'clock, there will be some presentation from uh, Andrew Womack, who is the founder of Keras, and some question and answer time. And uh, for those who are returning students here at uh, RVCC, please uh, attend because you'll be uh, asked to put up your money again and uh, pay for uh, at least uh, your books. And then it's an opportunity to just kind of hear what Keras offers. Uh, I just graduated from Keras this this May, and I can say, and I'm, I'm an older guy, I mean, it, it was a challenge, but it was a good challenge, and God changed my life through the, through the material. Uh, very balanced, no ditches, you know, you, we don't end up in the weeds, it's, it's pure word. And I would encourage anyone who's even remotely interested to please come on the 30th at uh, 645. Um, hopefully all your questions will be answered. If you have some ahead of time, you can give give me a, a holler. Um, also, Keras offers Healing University. It's a, it's a brand new course, uh, 48 weeks worth of, of material. But we're going to start off with the first four weeks and the four Thursdays in August, starting the 6th here at RVCC. There will be an informational email coming out soon. Um, and if you're interested, it's, uh, it's a wonderful curriculum. Um, I've been through probably 12 of them, and it builds up. It, it, it lays the foundation for what, what is available to us for healing. It's part of our salvation. It's part of what Jesus gave us and provided for on the cross. So um, if you're interested, um, please look out for an email. We'll send it through the church email um, service. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak a few words over the offering today. Um, my question is, is, does God need our money? Okay. Um, a friend of mine uh, once asked me, he says, well, does God need my money? No, but I need to give it. And so some of, some of the thoughts that I have will be coming up. I'm, I'm going to stay out of the ditches. You know, I'm not trying to make a law on this that God wants me to give every dime that I have. No, unless he specifically tells you that for that particular moment, that's not his plan, right? So this was possibly one of the wisest pieces of financial counsel I'd ever heard, that I need to give it because it's, for me, it's an ownership issue. Okay, so um, here are a few of my thoughts. You know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Um, Psalm 50.10 tells us, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, if God owns a thousand hills and the cattle, he, he absolutely doesn't need my small amount of money. But he can provide enough money from the mouth of a fish to pay the taxes owed by two men, as we've seen a couple of times in, in Matthew 17. God is our source. He can take our limited resources and multiply them if we give him those resources. And when I use the word need here, I'm not trying to build a law. I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking to what God has, has shown me uh, in these last few weeks. Um, I need to give to remind myself that everything I have comes from him. My life, my abilities, 
and my creativity are all gifts freely given to me by God. They're given to me, but I appropriate them through faith. God is the source of my prosperity. God is not the source of lack. God is not the source of poverty. He's the source of prosperity. I need to remember to seek first the kingdom of God, then all the other parts of my life, including my finances, which many times is a small part of the life, will fall into their proper order. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I also need to remember that it's not all about me. You know, there are people who are less fortunate than I am that God wants to bless through me. In Romans 15, 26 and 27, Paul was talking about, he says, For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. So, you know, God tells us that, okay, we have spiritually received everything that we need for life and godliness. We're also going to materially receive everything that we need. God uses people to provide for the needs of others and the work of the ministry. Like Pastor John was saying earlier, you know, God could have done the creative or recreative miracle for the dry bones, but he told Ezekiel to speak over him, right? He's given us that authority. I need to give so I can personally experience the miracle of the loaves and fishes. So I'm going to read Matthew 14, 13 through 20. It's a little long, but um, it, it uh, is the whole experience of the loaves and fishes. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So we know the number was at least 10,000, maybe 15, 20,000 people. But, but notice here that Jesus asked what the disciples had in their hands. Then he took it, they, and he gave thanks for it, and he started distributing it through his disciples. The miracle of the loaves and fishes didn't start until the distribution of what they had occurred. That's when the miracle started taking place, was when they, when they took what they had and gave it away. Uh, I also need to give, because where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. Luke 12:34 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if I am only marginally invested in my church, its missions, its missionaries, and its outreach, then I will only marginally be involved in their work, and I will only see marginal results. I receive back what I give. If I have invested much, I will pray for the ministries, work with them, promote them, love them, and God will produce huge results. I need to give because I'm naturally selfish. If left to my own inclinations, I will tend to invest my best time, energy, and resources in only enriching myself, not promoting God's kingdom. There's nothing wrong with enriching myself. You know, that's, that's another ditch. Poverty is not what I'm called to do, but poverty is not from God. I need to give because God's work is the only work that lasts for eternity. When I give to God, I'm investing in someone else's 
eternal destiny. And I can't think of a better return for my money. I need to give to acknowledge that my job or my investments are not my provider. God is. We need to have a job. We need to work. We need to invest. We need to be smart with our money. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do any of those. But that's not our source. That's not the end of it all. When we invest in the kingdom, the other investments will grow. That's our promise. I need to give to remind myself that I serve God, not the other way around. And finally, I need to give because Jesus gave his all for me. So, as I've said before, you know, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are to represent Christ to the world. God gave us everything that we need through Jesus. He gave it he gave us healing, salvation, prosperity, everything that we need for life and godliness. So there are ways that we can give. I mean, financially, there are many, many opportunities to give non-financially here, and God will prompt each and every one of us for those. But to give financially, we have a box in the back with um, kind of looks like the Ark of the Covenant, but it's got uh, offering uh, envelopes and, and pens back there. You can give by stopping into the church office and saying hi to Greg on Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, you can mail your offering in to River Valley Christian Church, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. Or you can give online at rvcc.info slash donate. On the bottom, there's a, a little button to give through PayPal. Very easy, um, very efficient. And also, for other ministries that are sponsored or, or uh, uh, part of RVFM, there are pull-downs from the rvcc.info uh, website, and you can give to those as well online. So uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your gifts. Uh, Father God, we do thank you that you are our source. You provide everything that we need. You provide our prosperity. You provide our life, our healing, our salvation. And Father, we thank you that you, you know our hearts and you will prompt us to give as you would like us to give. And Father, we ask that you would bless each person, each gift, each giver. And Father, that the prosperity comes back not just because it's a formula, but because it's your plan. Father, we do thank you. We give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name.